please turn in your Bibles to Mark 7, beginning at verse 20. Mark 7, beginning at verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Verse 33, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Another version of the Bible says this, all these are vomit from the heart. That's pretty serious. There, right there, is the source of your pollution. Amen. I want to go to the Lord in prayer right now and ask God that he would be with us today. Amen. Let's all pray together. Dear Lord, we love you. I thank you, God, for your presence that's here in the sanctuary today. And we welcome you here, Lord, to touch our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that your word will fall on good ground. God, that you would use me. To, to speak your word, God, in all honesty and truth. And I pray, God, that you would be with us, each and every one. And, God, that great things would be done today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And the text message I sent Brother John this morning when he told me he was praying for me is I pray that the church would experience the fruit of what's been preached all month. And uh, because we need to live this. It doesn't need to be just a, a themed month that we preach about, and then we let it go. But it's something that we live. I was on the phone with Brother Shea Mann yesterday, and we were talking for a while, and I was talking about the theme that we had for this, this month, and that we are preaching this across all classes, across all age groups, um, combined men and women. And he said, you know, it, it's, it's funny that we preach that very often in our youth services. We preach those topics over and over and over again. But as soon as we get into the sanctuary, we're very careful about what we talk about as far as this topic is concerned. And he commended our church for preaching this to everyone and to keep this on our mind. So we read this scripture and we, we found out all of these things that are, are within us and that it's vomit from the heart. But how many realize all that's within you? Look at your neighbor. How many are pretty sure it might be all in them? Maybe. <laughs> But with the help from God today, I want to talk and preach on this subject, a heart and mind of purity, a heart and mind of purity. Um, about 11 years ago, I talked about this in, in the crowd, and some of you know that in my past, when I was uh, younger in college, I was in medical school, and I've talked about this a little bit before, maybe in another message, but I dissected all kinds of things, all types of mammals at the university state. Georgia State University and um, pigs, sheep, bovine eyeballs, human cadavers. Um, I've experienced firsthand the interior of God's creation up close. I remember talking about this to Brother Jonathan Copeland. He's the pastor out at Bremen at our daughter work, and I didn't know if he was going to make it through the conversation, but, <laughs> but I was in respiratory therapy. The most memorable dissection was when I removed smoker's lungs from this older individual, and to dissect and study effects of smoking has on the whole body. But throughout the years, one of my favorite organs that I've ever dissected was the heart. The human heart has intrigued me, and I think 
primarily because the active past of my personal family um, has experienced with heart disease and uncle passing away at early age of 39, grandfathers on both paternal and maternal sides passing away due to heart attacks, my awareness has increased. And I'm sure that some of you are familiar with this history in your own family's past. But you see, life becomes completely fragile when the physical heart becomes weak. The heart is the most amazing organ of the body and is for sure the hardest working. Um, husbands, I promise your wife's mouth is not the hardest working part of the it's, it's the heart. The heart during any one normal circulation will pump nearly two gallons of blood throughout the body. The heart beats an average of 70 beats per minute, and that equates to an unbelievable 40 million beats in the life of an average person 70 years of age. Many of us even have watches that measure our heart rates, and we've become very aware with medical technologies how to become healthier individuals if we choose to, and we probably all need to make better choices there. But I think we all understand if we make this, this statement that no heart means no life. Our hearts have been called many things in our culture, but our heart is our life. And so I want to talk about the heart in a few different ways here. The heart, the Greek word is cardia, from which we get our word cardiac. And in our culture and normal communication, we say heart, most of the time, we're not speaking of the physical heart. We consider the heart the emotional, the spiritual, and even the mental center of a person. That's the heart that we speak of as, as the center. When we say, I love you with all of my heart, or we say, Let's get to the heart of the matter. It's, it's our way of talking about the very center of a person's emotions, the thoughts, or the essence of a conversation when you want to be really serious. It's like it's, it's all, it, it touches my, it touched my heart or bless his heart, you know, that makes everything better. But Strong says cardia, this heart that we're talking about here, the effective, affective center of our, our being and the capacity of moral preference. The effective means here the emotional or sentimental and the moving center of who we are. This heart we speak of, it's the desire producer that makes us tick emotionally. Our desire, our decisions are established with this heart. The heart is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture but in those more than 800 mentions, it's only a few times that it's referring to the literal physical organ of the body, the, the organ that pumps and drives the blood. So the heart is mostly used figuratively throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's used 105 times in 98 verses in the New Testament alone and in the context of being the center of who we really are. In the Old Testament, the word for heart and this is very interesting. It kept me reading for hours that, the, that this word is interchangeable with the word for mind. And the heart and the mind are paralleled in so many scriptures and verses. I believe this gives us insight into the, the idea of it being the center of our emotions completely and our, of our thoughts and our spirit. Think about in scripture in 1 Samuel 16 and 7 when Samuel is considering Eliab, David's older brother, as the one he should anoint. He saw him walking. 
and said, this surely must be. And God tells him, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, thank the Lord, or on his height and his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. In 2 Kings 2 and 3, we are told to serve the Lord with our whole heart or without a divided loyalty. Deuteronomy 4.29, we are told to seek him with all of our heart or all of our being. These are only a few references of the hundreds available. Jesus refers to the heart often in his ministry. And in Matthew 6, 21, he says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 12, 34 and 35, Jesus tells us this true center of our being reveals who we really are. He said, Oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. So the heart is the center of our being. And a scripture that has become a theme for this month, Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We must have a heart and mind of purity. So I got to this point in my nose. I'm like, we've got a problem, Houston. The scripture tells us that the heart of a man is anything but pure. In fact, it tells us that the human heart is wicked. Back to our text, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful. Above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? How many of you feel so much better about your heart today? So we understand that the heart is one of the body's most vital organs physically. But it's also seen as the emotional center of one's being. Even the heart's position within the body is a metaphor of being the center. There is a physical heart. There is a psychological heart. The psychological heart has a lot of influence on our psychological actions, whether we believe that or not. So let's just look at the Word of God. And just a few of them, the heart understands. 1 Kings 3.9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. The heart debates. Mark 2.6, But there was certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. The heart reflects, Luke 2, 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The heart remembers, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. I didn't go through all 800 verses, but several hundred, and um, if y'all want to, we can talk about this, and I'll have a seat, but... The Bible expresses a whole list of emotions of this psychological heart, such as bitterness, anxiety, anguish, sorrow, joy, happiness, affection, lust, stubbornness, hatred, fear, and many more. We must have a mind and a heart for purity. 
The heart we're discussing is the, the psychological heart, the heart spoken of all throughout the word of God figuratively, the heart and the mind connected so closely, and we're striving for that heart and mind of purity, the one that preachers and poets refer to all the time, the heart that got broken by the first boyfriend or girlfriend, the heart that made you feel so macho the first time you drove your car, the heart that brings tears to your eyes, at the birth of your child, that heart that swells when you watch your child take their first step, the heart that aches when your child backs out of the driveway for the first time and you follow them. <laughs> Done that. Felt like a detective. Life can be hard on this heart. And with all the influences that disrupts our daily lives with the excessive amounts of abuse and addictions in our world, over time, we begin to develop habits that callous and cover the sensitivity of that heart. Pain and disappointments, past sins in life have caused us to put up barriers around that heart and keep things hidden that have no business of you holding on to. And before we realize it, we're not monitoring, much less maintaining that heart anymore. And anything goes because no one knows. No longer is there truly a heart and mind of purity when I can sit through an entire month on moral purity because no one would ever or could ever find out what condition this spiritual heart of mine really is in no one will ever find out these secrets within my heart preacher i don't want you to go to those places in my own heart nobody knows about that i don't want to touch on those secret parts inside of me i don't want to bring it up I, i'm living normal no one will ever know everything is okay no one will find out but we're living with a heart and a mind of impurity too many of us don't want to self-diagnose this condition of our own hearts, ignoring the deep implanted sin that we're not taking care of. And a life of impurity is absolutely consuming us. I was talking to a friend about this topic after the lesson on Wednesday night at Primetimers. And we had some great, he had some great insight and he said, he said, Brother Brad, it's the familiarity of living so close to sin that we no longer even realize the effect it's having on us. We get so comfortable living with secrets that do not necessarily harm anyone around us because remember, this is a sin against your own self. But it's a slow spiritual death from the inside out to our heart and our mind. We're pretty good at keeping our filter intact, not saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, exposing the real us from within. However, in some moments, just like Jesus said, the true us spews from our mouths without us even realizing and out of the heart flows the issues of life. Imagine with me, if you will, for just a minute, if it became impossible for us to cover up the secrets in our hearts from the rest of the world, from our family, 
and best friends, I have the opinion that a whole lot of people would get real motivated real quick to deal with the source of their heart condition and desire to have a heart and mind of purity. If we were, if we were to become that transparent in a moment, what others could see, would you be okay with? Would I be okay with? Are there hidden things within my own life, in my own heart, that heart and mind combination that I'm okay with? Other people knowing and all of a sudden priorities, I believe, would get right. Attitudes would probably change. How naive are we to think that God Almighty doesn't know that deepest secret within you and me. And that in some way, something in your mind is telling you that I'm even hiding this from God. He's still blessing me. I'm doing okay financially. But again, Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately. When you get deceit and desperateness at the same time, who can know it? Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Are you being deceived? Am I being deceived? How are things with your heart? Not your career. Not necessarily your family. Not your finances. But your heart. Last night in prayer, I went back and even put this sentence in. It is a life and death question. You realize that you've learned that you can function in your career just fine with the secret sins in your life. That familiarity, and I like a point Brother Davey mentioned Wednesday night, that you could even be living out impurity vicariously, being comfortable listening and discussing sin with others that they're a part of and involved in. And you can even hide them from your family. Your finances are not suffering, clearly covering up any condition, but your heart condition is so subtle it's ravaging, and you're dying a slow, sad, and miserable death, spiritual death inside. You may say, well, the church is in tremendous revival. Yes, we are, and I'm a part of this. You may be. Nothing appears to be wrong, but you know, and God knows. And day after day, event after event, you're involving yourself in the kingdom of God all the time, concealing the deep secrets of your heart living a perfect lie. We have only one life to live. And we're deceiving ourselves if we think that living a double life will make us more rounded individuals or more socially acceptable or more culturally diverse. Friend, when you have duplicity in your life, it will ultimately destroy you because sin comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. There are those who will step into eternity still trying to find themselves instead of letting God clean the darkness of that heart and live holy and acceptable in his sight. You say, no one will ever find out. I still have control. But let me warn you today that the moment that sin takes control of your life in this manner, you are no longer in control. And as confident as you may feel and as sure as you can be that everything really is okay, that deep secret is eating you alive. And I don't apologize for being so honest. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. I referred to a moment ago. For out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. We must have a heart and mind of purity. The life of every person flows from the heart physically, emotionally, spiritually. We must guard our heart that goes in must come out. What goes up must come down. I was talking with a person the other day in counseling. and They don't go to our church. You don't know who they are. But they were having problems with these sexual immoral issues. And, and so I began to talk with them and, and ask them some pointed questions. And what are, what, what are you putting into your life? I need to know a little bit more. There's, there's a part of this puzzle that's missing. And I began to ask them and I began to ask them. They, they started telling me of the media that they're, they're watching and the things that they're putting in. And I said, you watch that with all the sexual innuendos. And, and you think that you can just laugh at it? You don't think that that's affecting you deeper? And we get so familiar with this sin being so close, but you're not a part of it. And then there you go, vicariously living through someone else's sin. You think it's funny and it's a joke, but we got to guard our heart. Mark 7, 20, again, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man, that's the pollution. Notice that this passage doesn't say, that, that the devil puts on man or how the devil tricks us or deceives us into doing all these things. He does. But in this scripture, Jesus is talking here and he says, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. He lists a bunch of sins and he finishes it all by saying, these evils come from inside. Struggles that we tend to create for ourselves. Not necessarily things that the devil attacks us with, but the struggles that we have spiritually because of us. Most of these struggles are things that we could keep under our control. And in these passage, this passage, Jesus is not talking to a group of prisoners or those who have already been proven guilty or wrong. But he's speaking to everyone about the condition of man's heart from the time we're born. All. Every one of us all, whether high or low, rich or poor, old or young, learned or unlearned, all of us have this nature that Jesus is describing from birth. Every man has within them the root of sin. Let me remind you today. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not everywhere all at the same time. Unlike Jesus Christ. He's not all knowing. God already knows the very deep inner parts of your heart. You're not hiding it from him anyway. He knows that it's the very nature of a man being born a sinner. He's a gracious God with undying mercy. What if we took the mystic out of this complete scenario and we admit that it's a plain old flesh issue? It's something that we just want to please ourselves with that we can't control. It's not the physical heart, but it's a selfish flesh issue. Don't ignore it. Remember, Jesus is the greatest physician of all. Times and, and, and like the wise physician, he said... He doesn't merely treat the symptoms like we do with our physical heart, maybe masking the problem, but God searches the inward seed of trouble. Does not satisfy God by treating the symptoms which appear in our human conduct, but he goes deeper until he finds the root of the disease in the heart of man. The psychological heart, the spiritual heart, the heart and the mind. He is the only hope. 
God is the only hope to ridding you from this darkness. He's concerned when every sparrow falls from the sky. So how much more is he concerned with you and me? We can never forget that God has given us the power to change the bad things, the habits and addictions in our lives. The power lies within each of us. But we have to choose to change. We have to choose to have a heart and mind of purity. How thankful we should be for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. How thankful we should be for the blood that washes our sins away. How thankful we should be for the Holy Ghost and the power that comes with that to change all of our sinful hearts and to keep them clean. Genesis 6 We go way back into the Old Testament and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Things haven't changed much since the days of Noah. People's thoughts, people's hearts are still evil. There are still those who will not listen to the warning of the preacher and they just keep on doing What they want to do because it feels good and it feels right to them because it's hidden. No one will find out. Or maybe they don't even realize that there is a heart. Their heart has been manipulated completely by sin and it's been so subtle that that spiritual heart disease has completely taken over. And there's a mass spiritual heart attack. Romans 2.16 tells us that God will judge the secrets of man. We can reference Paul's words here and find out what judgment he's talking about in Revelation 20:12 says, "And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. It's not just what tomorrow holds. Church, it's not just what tomorrow holds. It's what the next hour, the next moment that could affect all eternity. It's about where we will spend eternity. The Bible word, I admonish you today to make the next few moments of your life count. This entire month... It may even be entertaining at times because we can have a comic relief, so to speak, and and laugh about the true situation of immorality. But God is calling us through this to a closer and open relationship with Him. God is calling us to moral purity And there's nothing easy about that. We were all created sexual beings. And the desires are great from within. Like Brother John said, if you have a pulse, that's you I'm speaking to. And James 4.8 says, draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh unto you. Begin searching that spiritual heart. Even as we speak today, to clean that spiritual heart out. I want to read a paraphrase of the Bible and the message version. 
It's not a direct translation, but a paraphrase of James 4, 4 through 10. And when I read this, I, I just want everyone just to close your eyes. Sexual sins are a sin against yourself. And I want you to focus on yourself. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world every chance you get. You end up enemies of God and His way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that He's a fiercely jealous lover. And what He gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God gives grace to the willingly humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God. And he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. The musicians can please come. God is revealing himself to this church. And I'm completely aware that when you start talking about these topics that hit so close to home in this manner, many things manifest. But we need to fix that today. God has been preparing this church all month and will continue over the next week and a half. God's doing a great thing. God is calling us to a life of moral purity in all things. At a church social or at home in the living room with your family. By the water cooler at work. Out of town on a business trip. On the ball field, the basketball court, God is calling us to moral purity. And God is revealing himself to us today. And I feel that God has spoken today about the condition of our hearts and minds. We must take note and acknowledge the secrets of our hearts today. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We've heard four sermons in one session in life groups on moral purity. God is shaking us. God is calling us to repentance. 
God is calling us to clean the corners of our hearts today. The church is moving forward. God is putting this church into a position spiritually, financially. And lives are being touched. Families are being put back together. Gifts of the Spirit are active in our services. We're following the will of God. But I ask you, please, let the Lord speak to your heart today. Make yourself vulnerable, not before man, but before God, to wash you spiritually. There's freedom from fear. Freedom from guilt. And thank God, freedom from our past. And we don't often think about this, but our past was one minute ago. God's not holding that against you. His arms are outstretched. And I'm speaking to that emotional heart. You can say, well, this is all emotion. God created us that way. There is the emotional side of our heart and our mind. We need to be touched where we can feel it. And we need to be touched spiritually. Draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh. Be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. While you're seated here, if we could just close our eyes and I want to pray. Dear Lord, right now, I pray. And dear Lord, you know my heart. I'm not casting stones at any one person. Just as you said. When you met the lady at the point of her need and you knelt down and you got on her level. And you shouted out, let the one that hath not sinned cast the first stone. Everyone walked away. You didn't justify the sin. You said, go and sin no more. And God's here today, not justifying any sin, not justifying the past. But God, you're here with open arms of love and mercy and grace. On this beautiful Sunday morning for the opportunity to make all things new, make all things right. Lord, forgive us this day, I pray. Wash us with your spirit, I pray. Just like the lady who was looking for the coin, she got the broom and she swept out every corner. I don't want to be a lost coin in the house of the Lord. God, clean the the corners. Clean the dark, the secret places. God, that's just between you and I. Make us holy and acceptable in your sight.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God's presence is stirring our hearts now. All across this sanctuary. It's okay to be spiritual. It's okay to be sensitive to the presence of the Lord. It's okay to respond to the presence of the Lord. We're not past that. We're an apostolic Pentecostal church that believes in demonstrative worship, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Fix things today, God. Purify us today, God. In Jesus' name. This altar's open. Of no pressure, but only the call of God, I pray that you would make your way down to this altar all across this sanctuary. No one's casting stones. Go and sin no more. Cleanse yourselves before the Lord God today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for Atlanta West. Thank you, God, for our church family. God, we need strength. We need stability. God, we need this pure foundation for the plans that you have for us. Let us grow stronger. Let us have a heart and a mind for purity. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I call out. I cry out to you, O Lord. I cry out to you, O Lord. Make me whole. Make me whole, Lord. Make me whole, Lord. It's beautiful. There's a beautiful presence of the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. God just wants to forgive you. He wants to love you. He wants you to live morally pure. In a world full of pollution, He wants you morally pure. We've got a great work to do. Just like Nehemiah, I'm not coming down. I've got a great work to do. I've got a great work to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.